Each little flower that opens, each little Breathe the last breath of God, fill us with life anew, that we would love without us love and do what thou wouldst do. That is a beautiful prayer, and it speaks to all of us, and that is my prayer for all of us. My name is Hal Brady, and let me welcome you to this program tonight. I'm so pleased you've tuned in, and I hope that you will also invite others to join us as we move along. My prayer is that you will be blessed both by the word and the music. Thanks again for joining us. Our scripture lesson tonight comes from Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read seven verses. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. 
Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please now for prayer? O oh God, touch me and touch someone else through me. Your will be done, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Hear our prayer. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. A taxi driver was speaking to his passenger who happened to be a minister. And this is what he said. He said, why doesn't God do something big all around the world so people will know he's God and consequently end so much of our trouble? Well, God has done some really colossal things in the world. Consider the creation, the exodus, the virgin birth, the cross, the resurrection, Pentecost, and the promise of Pentecost. When we think of Pentecost, what do we think? Many of us think of wind and fire and the onslaught of a mighty storm. Some of us think of speaking in tongues, and we speak of those foreigners hearing about the works of God without the help of an interpreter. They heard this without that help. But there is much more to Pentecost than all of this. Sometimes we get so involved with the mysterious details of Pentecost that we pass up on the reality of Pentecost, which is so much more important. There is no question that the Holy Spirit revealed himself in dramatic ways in the manifestation, the fire, the wind, the tongues, and all these other ways. But it's very important that we understand that the manifestation, as important as it is, is not nearly as important as the reality of this experience. When I was a teenager and thought about the Holy Spirit at all, I remembered this Pentecostal church across town. And so some of us, a few from the United Methodist Youth Fellowship, would go over on Sunday nights for the worship service. We would always stand in the back lest we had to get away quickly. Now this Pentecostal church was full of music including a lot of different tambourines to say the least. They had loud preaching and the people were singing at the top of their voices. Many of these people would dance in the aisles and finally they, some of them would simply pass out as if being slain by the Spirit. Now all of this had a tremendous effect on a 15-year-old teenager from the First United Methodist Church of LaGrange. And I kept thinking, if this is the way the Holy Spirit is, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. But at that time, you see, I was concentrating more on the manifestation of the Spirit than I was the reality of the Spirit. I repeat, the manifestation of the Spirit is not nearly as important as the reality. The reality of the Holy Spirit is that He moved among His disciples. He brought them to power. He enabled them not only to survive, but to revive. He brought disciples to apostles. It was the powerful effect of Pentecost on these disciples. So what does Pentecost mean? First of all, Pentecost means that Jesus is forever present. Jesus is forever present. The ascension has occurred and Jesus has gone. His ineffective followers of the now departed Jesus are now in Jerusalem 
like many others, they are there to observe the Hebrew Harvest Festival known as Pentecost. Pentecost, in its prefix, says that it occurred 50 days after Passover. But to put it like this, these disciples had no earthly idea how to carry out Jesus' last directive to them, which was to bear witness to the ends of the earth. They had no earthly idea how to do that. But suddenly, as unpredictable as a tornado crossing a Georgia highway, he's present, mysterious and powerful. He's alive and near. So who is this invisible, energizing presence? The followers speak of him as the Holy Spirit. The same God who moved and worked through Jesus when he was alive is moving and working now. The same God. A Methodist minister was teaching a course on the Holy Spirit. And he started that course by asking them to draw a picture of the Holy Spirit. Well, so many of these people were lost at that idea. Someone drew a picture of something that looked like Casper, the friendly ghost. Some other people drew a blob. Some other people tried to draw the wind, but they admitted it's hard to draw something you can't even see. Other people didn't draw anything. They had no idea as to how to fulfill this assignment. But what is your picture of the Holy Spirit? What is my picture of the Holy Spirit? Regardless of how I understand the Holy Trinity, God, Father, and Son, and Son, when I'm dealing with my own Christian experience, I can hardly distinguish the Holy Spirit from Christ. They seem to be doing the same thing in the world today. As a matter of fact, they are. The Holy Spirit is magnifying Christ in all that the Holy Spirit does. The late Dr. Albert Outler expressed this beautifully when he said, Pentecost's consequence was that Jesus became alive again and powerful and forever thereafter present where two or three are gathered in his name. Jesus was no longer a has-been. If the truth be told, Christianity could not have hoped to survive on the historical meaning of Jesus through all these years. For instance, one lady made this point. She said prayer was very difficult for her because Jesus seems so long ago and so far away. It's simply astonishing that Jesus has not disappeared in history as well as some other people have. Remember, Jesus was from a backward part of the world, a small town. He wrote no books. He left no pictures. He even was shying away from publicity. When he would perform a miracle, he would say to his disciples, don't tell anybody. And then there was the crucifixion. He died between two men, two thieves. And then there was the resurrection. As great as it was, it was rather quiet. It was rather quiet. So many people simply ignore and forget and overlook Jesus on a day-by-day -day basis. So why, why is Jesus remembered? There is simply no other explanation than the activity of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. What happened back then 2,000 years ago in terms of the manger, the cross, and the empty tomb is made relevant to us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Henry Sloan Coffin told about two ladies that went to a prison to see a family member. The family member was unresponsive, and so they left a Bible and left. It was not until his execution that they found a note that he had written. He said in reading that Bible, he had come to see Jesus before Pilate. He had come to see Jesus praying for those people who put him there, hanging on that cross. And he said suddenly his own heart was stabbed awake. He said he didn't know how to explain it. 
he only knew that he did believe. There again is the Holy Spirit making Jesus present to today. I was at the 17th World Methodist Conference, which was held in Rio de Janeiro a few years ago. And the most exciting part of it for me was when the Brazilians sponsored the event in this sports stadium that seated 15,000 people. It was quite an experience. 15,000 people from all over Brazil crowded into that stadium. They had choirs, little girl and boy choirs in festive robes. They had young people dancing to the fast pace of music. They took an offering and over $200,000 was raised by the street people. But the most amazing thing about that service was the pre-service activity when 15,000 people were spontaneously yelling, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Again, that was the Holy Spirit making Jesus present to us today. You know, it's so important. There was a lady in my church who said that she had discovered new life. She found peace and contentment. And she said this in the opening words she wrote in the letter to me. She said, I am writing you at this time near Easter because I want you to know of the resurrection of one continuing visitor, me. You see, the Holy Spirit made Jesus alive and real in her particular presence. So Pentecost means that Jesus is forever present. And then secondly, Pentecost means that the church community is empowered. Many people believe in this strange phenomenon called the Holy Spirit. They believe the Holy Spirit enhances their interior. The Holy Spirit meets their personal needs. And for sure, that is true. There was a, a lady who nursed her husband for many years. He died. But she was explaining what had happened. She said, you know, I nursed my husband. I took care of my children. I managed the house. I ran the business. It was too much for any one person. But this is what she said. She said, but I had an inside power from an outside source. That's the way she described the Holy Spirit, an inside power from an outside source. So for sure, the Holy Spirit meets our inward needs. There is no question about that. But Bishop Will Willimon told us something else about Pentecost. Listen, at Pentecost, he says, Luke goes to great pains to insist that the outpouring of the Spirit is anything but interior. Everything is about wind and fire and loud talk, buzzing confusion and public debate. Here the Spirit is the power which enables the church to go public with its witness. So when we start thinking about the Holy Spirit, He empowers the church to make the witness out in the world to the Lordship of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And... If we understand this, we can experience what Peter experienced. You remember on the night of crucifixion, Peter was near the fire. He was warming himself afar. He was near the fire. But then, as the crucifixion night went on, he found himself in the fire. You see, he denied his Lord, and he caused much problems in his own life. He denied his Lord, so he was in the fire. But then on the day of Pentecost, he was on fire. The Holy Spirit inspired him to go out and make a witness in the world. And what happened to him can happen to all of us as well. When I was in high school or when I was in the eighth grade, I played football on the LaGrange High School B team. As a matter of fact, I was the third string quarterback. We were playing one of our chief rivals. The score was 65 to nothing in favor of LaGrange. Everybody on both teams had played 
with the exception of me. I actually saw the starting quarterback beg the coach to let me play. Then I heard the fans in the stands, they began to shout, we want Brady, we want Brady. Well, I was getting more and more embarrassed. We want Brady. Then the coach looked at me, he looked at the game. He looked at me, he looked at the game, he looked back at me and he called me up there. Well, I said, me? He had never called on me before, so I went up there and he sent me in for one play. Remember, the score was 65 to nothing, and he sent me in for one play. Now, you know and I know that I was not very good in football. But suppose when I went into the game that night, Peyton Manning had gone in inside my body. I had gone into the game, but Peyton Manning had gone in inside my body. When I got into the game, a perfect play would have been called. Everybody would have been calm because I would have been calm. A perfect play would have been called. I would have gone back and thrown a pass, shouted Omaha, and threw a touchdown pass. Wow. But remember, I was in the game, but Peyton Manning was inside my body. What a difference that would make. Well, that's a good analogy of Pentecost for the church. Before Pentecost, before the coming of the Holy Spirit, the church was like me in that game by myself. After Pentecost, the church was like Peyton Manning playing in my body in the game. The Holy Spirit was empowering the church to be everything it's supposed to be. Bill Hybels described the characteristics of a contagious church. I think these are also the characteristics of a church that's alive with the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to these characteristics of a church that's alive in the Holy Spirit. Evangelism is a basic value. Unreached people are prioritized. Outreach is a point of the overall strategy of the church. The leaders model the reaching of lost people. The members are equipped to spread their faith. Relationships with unchurched people are maximized. Various approaches to evangelism are celebrated. Innovation is valued and employed. The relevancy of the Bible is emphasized. There is a tangible sense of the supernatural. Now, there was a church where a lot of people joined on a Sunday, many people, and they were asked, why did you come and join this church? They were asked, was it television? Was it newspaper advertisement? Was it the preacher? Was it the youth minister, the music director, the choir? Why did you join the church? And by far, most of them said, I joined this church because of an invitation of one of the members. Because of an invitation of one of the members. Pentecost enables us to be empowered as a church to make the witness that we are called to make, which is to offer them Christ. And then one other thing here. Pentecost means that there are certain languages that everybody understands. Certain languages that everybody understands. One of the real miracles of Pentecost is that it's not so much charismatic speaking as it is charismatic listening. These people were able to hear what God was doing in his business. They were able to hear it in their own language and their own particular understandings of things. So the real miracle of Pentecost was not so much speaking as it was listening. Now the modern church needs to understand that. For sure, preachers need to get up and preach biblical messages, biblical messages of faith, vital, relevant biblical messages. They need to preach and speak to people where they are, but they also need to speak to people in languages they can understand. What are some of these languages we can understand? Well, we know it's concern and compassion, 
and we know it's burden-bearing, and we know it's presence. People understand those languages, and that's the message we should be speaking in. I, I've used this illustration before, but it really makes this point. There was a little lady in my hometown named Ethel Young. Every Sunday for 25 years, she went to the city-county jail to teach the prisoners that Sunday school lesson. It didn't matter to her whether they had committed a minor or a major crime, were black or white or yellow or any other color. Every Sunday she was there for 25 years. Then one Sunday she was ill and she couldn't go. She had been ill a couple of weeks and she had received and many get well cards, some like we would send or receive. But what time she received, she showed me we were friends. She showed me the card and when I opened it up, there written in the messiest handwriting I've ever read with these words, we miss you very much, signed your boys at the city county jail. You see, Miss Ethel had learned how to speak the language that the prisoners understood, a language of love and compassion and presence and burden bearing. And then I read about a lady, a Christian lady. It was winter, very cold. She was walking down the street and she happened to see a little boy who didn't have any shoes. And so she went over to him and said, son, where are your shoes? He said, ma'am, I don't have any. She said, well, come with me. Let's go buy your pair of shoes. She grabbed his hand. They went down to the shoe store. She bought him a brand new pair of shoes. The little boy was so excited that he ran out of the store to tell his family about his shoes. But all of a sudden, he stopped in his tracks, and he turned around, and he went back to where the lady was, and he said, are you God's wife? And the lady replied, no, no, no. I'm just seeking to be one of God's servants. And the little boy looked at her and said, well, I knew you was kin to him. I knew you was kin to him. You see, she had spoken in a language of love that that little boy can understand. There was a Sunday school teacher that was telling her class about Jesus. And when the teacher concluded, she said, that's the way God loves you. The little boy looked at her and said, show me, show me. That's what everybody wants us to do as Christian people. They want us to proclaim this gospel, this story of God in such a way that they can understand it. And that is our calling, that is our task. And that's what Pentecost means. It means that the Holy Spirit empowers us to share God's story in a way that people can understand it in a way of common language, love and concern and presence and burden bearing. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the fact that he moves in the church and he moves in our individual lives as well. We pray, O oh God, that you'd help us to give the Holy Spirit room to work in our lives. We thank you for the Christ that he magnifies and we thank you that that Christ lives within us. We pray, O oh God, that you'd be with everyone within the sound of this voice or picture. You would bless them and sustain them and use them. We know you know of our needs, and so we commit our needs to you. Thanks again for your presence. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you so very much for joining me tonight in this worship service. I trust that you have been blessed and that you'll share this message with other people. God bless and good night.
Thank you for listening to Dr. Hal Brady, whose television broadcast is seen weekly in Atlanta on the Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasters Network. Dr. Brady's sermons are also available online and ministry updates are posted on Facebook. With your help, we are able to share the gospel online and on the air. So please consider a donation to Hal Brady Ministries. Donations can be mailed to Hal Brady Ministries, Inc., Post Office Box 1367, Decatur, Georgia, 30031, or you can give securely online at halbradyministries.com. We are grateful for your prayers and support and hope you'll continue to partner with us. If you have any prayer requests, please be in touch. Thank you.